Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the Arena Craft Podcast, a show focused exclusively on Magic the Gathering Arena. I'm one of your hosts, Arjuna. I tend to be on this podcast. Our returning host, the wayward son, the prodigal son perhaps, Kovac Blue has returned from his long journeys into the ether, his planeswalker hair swept back, his, his face fresh with new tails. Welcome back to your own YouTube channel, Kovac Blue. Oh my gosh, it's me. It's me, it's CG. <laughs> 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 I've oh, I actually crawled off of my deathbed to be here today. I, no, I just have a cough. I have a thing in my throat. I'm fine. It, it, I'm totally fine. Uh, you and Danny did a great show last week, though. I it, it it is bizarre how good you are at this, and I can forget because I'm here every week. But to just like tune into a show that I'm regularly a part of and listen to it and be like, wow, that that's a cool show. You know, I listening to it like with fresh ears, like as a fan again. It's like that's a good show, man. So great job, awesome, dude. Thank you. Thank thanks for hearing that. You know, I might not be the best magic player on this podcast, but I try to be a good host. So we'll <laughs> we'll, we'll no, no, start. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure you beat me in our best in our like five deck <laughs> showdown. So you're yeah. not allowed to put yourself down without bringing me down with you. We're attached now, it so might, watch out. <laughs> it might be time for another showdown, but m- more on that later. Anyway, so we are bringing yet more news to you today from the world of magic. The uh, Wizards made this huge announcement that has a lot of content in it. Some of it is very much related to Arena, other of it is not. We are going to, for the most part, try to stay focused on the Arena stuff because that's what we do here. But uh, yeah, man, I mean, the, uh, the world of Magic is not slowing down by any means. Wizards is not slowing down the presses, as it were. They're just churning out the cards, some new cards, some old cards. So I'm going to hand this over to CGB, who's quite well-versed in this announcement already, to kind of take us through it and guide us for the remainder of the show. Although, actually, I just realized that I did want to answer a question before we do that. Before the reins are handed to the one in best of one who will surely drive it completely into the ground, let's take a brilliant lightning round question from the Discord. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to have to keep this one brief, CGB, because I'm sure that we could uh, spend a long time answering this. But I think that now is actually a good time to be answering this question because we have rotation kind of looming. And so TTT333 asks, as a free-to-play player who doesn't have the time to collect every rare from each set, what cards would you recommend crafting for a player who likes to play a variety of decks? I'd also be interested to hear more general thoughts on what kinds of cards... To craft. Now, I think that we've probably touched on this before, but I think it's a great question to just, you know, kind of revisit every once in a while because I do think that there are, you know, there are a lot of players coming to Arena every day. There are also a lot of players who aren't just stone cold grinders like you and me who don't expect to complete every set. And so I just, I, I like touching on this question. So I'm going to just cover a few things first and then I'll hand it over to you, CGB. The first thing is that. Uh, you have to consider rotation, right? So we have a rotation coming up. It's going to happen in the fall, which means that we have something like four months, maybe not even four. I don't know the exact dates, right? It's approximately four months uh, for for the format to stay like it is, right? And so you have to keep that in mind. And so, for example, 
if you're a player who's wanting to craft into standard and be competitive in standard right now, you are by necessity going to have to get some amount of Eldraine cards in your pool. Uh, it's just because Eldraine's kind of dominating the direction of standard and it's kind of hard to build a deck without Eldraine cards in it. Uh, but having said that, I think that that's the first breakpoint that you have to consider is like, how in on Eldraine am I going to go? And 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 how much do I want to build around that accordingly? Because obviously, like if you want to build a deck like Teamer Adventure, that's just going to rely extremely heavily on Eldraine cards. And it's going to rely on a lot of mythics too, you know, like some Brazen Borrowers and, you know, your Great Henges and stuff like that. So it's not a small investment. So I think... Yeah, the... I, I played Teamer Adventure today with 18 mythics. <laughs> I mean, ugh, that's just like... <laughs> You know, the person asking this question is probably not looking to sink that, right? They're probably not looking to sink that investment. So I think that's that's just a question that you have to ask yourself is like, how how much of the rotating cards do I want to invest in? And the good news is that you do have options that are more rotation proof. Um, but I'm going to hand this over to you, CGB. Like, what, what comes up for you? Well, you said to keep it brief, right? So uh, there's two types of people I'm going to talk to. The first is the person who doesn't have money. The second is the person who doesn't want to spend money. If you're the person who doesn't have money, go get a job, get some money. There, buy the cards you like. Just like, come on, let's go. Let's, let's be grownups about this. You, Arjuna's a grownup about sideboarding. I'm a grownup about, hey, if you want to play the game this way, get the money and put money on the freaking game. What are you doing? Uh, if you're the person who doesn't want to spend money, I don't... Like, I, I really can't, I can't get in that mindset. I, I don't have it. Like, I have to play a variety of decks. I have to be building decks every single day, and I have to be playing with the interesting cards, which are usually the ones with a ton of text, which mean usually rare or mythic. And I did a free-to-play series. I did several, actually. I would start an account from scratch and see what I could do with it. It was the most boring, miserable experience of my life. <laughs> I, it was. It was the. It was content I made as a chore because I. A lot of people asked me to do it, and I thought it would be helpful. Two things I learned from it. Number one, I hate it. Number two, so do a lot of other people. Like it was the least. Some of the least watched videos I've ever made. The people who did watch it were like, "Oh my gosh, this is so great! Thank you so much." But a resounding majority of people, like eighty percent of my audience at the time, do not give a crap about the budget, like at all. Oh, so that's interesting um, to hear. It's interesting yeah, it to hear, was. It was. only because I know a lot of people do, they at least worry about like where they're spending it, right? One of my pieces of advice here is that I think it's really easy for an arena player to kind of like sit on, on your investments and kind of like hoard your wild cards. And I think that's fine if you don't know what you want to do. But if you do have an idea of what you want to do, I would recommend like craft what you want and play what you want and have fun, right? Yeah. Um, yes. Because Please. it's all, it's all craft about, what you want. You know, it's all about having fun, man. Like, like I'll yes. talk about another game that I've played and, and CGB's played a little bit, Magic Legends, right? Which is a game which requires a lot of grinding. There's a lot of investment in that game. And I see a lot of people who just truck through the entire game with one build because they don't want to like reach the end game and have to do an incredible amount of grinding at the end game. And that always just seemed really odd to me because I'm like, the whole point of playing the game is to like play the game, right? Have fun, explore. 
do cool stuff. So, um, so I think that if there is a deck that you want to build and you think it's going to be fun, and especially if it's a tier one deck or it plays a lot of cards that you see in tier one decks, you know, then go ahead and craft it. So let's give a few examples of like cards that are good now and they're probably going to be good in the future as well. I mean, like the mono white deck, I think is a great example of a deck which like it's competitive, uh, it's good now, it's probably going to be good post rotation. You know, if you're crafting cards like Luminarch Aspirant, if you're crafting cards like um, the Polo cards, Elite Spellbinder, right? Yep, um, yep. Even, you know, put one or two Mythics into like Halvar, God of Battle. These cards are going to be fine, man. Like they're probably going to stick around in standard. Skyclave Apparition, that's a super solid craft, right? That just goes into so many different decks. So stuff- if you if you like that deck... Yes, please. That's true. Oh, but oh, if you like mono white, like, yeah. like I think people want us to hand them the perfect deck that both is cheap and they will enjoy. Yeah. You have to decide what you enjoy. Like, like I can't yeah. choose that for you. And you're not going to have fun if I hand you mono red and you're not a mono red player. You're just going to get bored with the game and leave. And you're going to be like, well, at least I never spent any money. But you're never going to know how much fun you would have had casting Yorian. Like that, that's the equi- part of the equation that's missing. I actually like that you mentioned Yorian because um, that's another deck that I think you can get into without too much pain is actually like these ultimatum lists. A lot of the mythics in the deck are one-offs um, or you can run them as one-offs. Um, you know, a lot yeah. of the foundational cards are uncommons. I do have a tip for that too. If you like have two or three rares and you use those on a merchant ultimatum, but you're still missing a couple, an uncommon like solve the equation can take a spot where you just tutor up your ultimatum. It's not a perfect fit because it's always a lot worse to top deck that solve the equation when you really need to draw that ultimatum. But these are just little tricks, I suppose. That's it, man. That's it. I mean, I, I too was once a player trying to grow my collection. Yeah, there's a lot of tips you can do. Just put a cantrip in your deck, right? Just, just put an extra piece of interaction. Just throw in another known good card that is not like wildly unplayable in your list you'll be totally fine anyway okay i think that's enough on that topic um hopefully that was at least somewhat helpful oh oh no i do have something for this okay i do have something for this okay so this is something that comes up a lot on my youtube channel the lands that you craft there are some lands that you need to craft because their utility is so much higher. And there are some lands you absolutely never really need in your collection because the upside of it is low. And I'm thinking of what is the difference between like a scry land, like a temple of triumph and that comes into play tap land that gains you a life. That's uncommon. Like it's yeah, not that much, not that but big. the difference, but a triome, like a triome is so much better than a temple. If you crafted the triumphs, you never need the temples. You can run the triumphs even where the third color isn't important mm-hmm. because it's, it's mm-hmm. not that different from a temple. Um, so, yeah, uh, pathways. Pathways are tremendously better than any right. of the tap lands right now. If you're not, cr- like, you do need pathways in your deck, but you don't really need a temple. You know what I mean? So keep an eye on like the differences between lands. Like lands that enter the battlefield tapped aren't that dramatically different from each other most of the times. But lands that enter the battlefield untapped and help you fix your colors are usually really important. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a super good point. Like the hierarchy might be something like pathways at the top, then followed by triomes. Unless you want to play three color decks, then the triomes are probably a priority. 
Um, and then, you know, I mean, that's that. I mean, Fabled Passage, if you don't already have four copies yep. of Fabled Passage, that's Oh, really yeah, that's good a good one. place to start. If yep. you're going to play multicolored decks, you probably need that. If you're not, it should be Faith, Faceless Haven. <laughs> yep, yep. And then, you know, maybe the Snarls, but even those. And again, you don't need to craft play sets of those necessarily. No. The snarls are a great example yeah. because you they're only good in like two color aggro decks that are going to play a ton of basics anyway. Yeah. So like just play Fable Passage instead. I would never craft a snarl like if I were on a budget. I just don't think you need to. Yeah. Just play Fable Passage instead. That's a good advice. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that that's exactly a catch all, but it's like a it's a fine place to start for sure. So. Yeah, lands, uh, yeah, I mean, you're right to bring it up, CGB, because it's like fully half the equation, I think. And they're just such Keep a... it brief, we said. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> uh, the genie is out of the bottle. Yeah. Well, well, uh, I'll allow you to satisfy your desire for talking, CGB, by transitioning us into this announcement. So let's go. All right, and I'm such a completist. We have to start with the announcement of the announcement, as is Wizards <laughs> of the Coast fashion. So Wizards tweets on, what was this? This was on May 5th. So they, they tweet that tomorrow's weekly MTG stream is going to be legendary. We've got all kinds of news and reveals on Twitch at time, 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 blah, blah, blah. All right. All right. Yeah. So when, they, when the Magic Twitter comes out and says, we're about to announce something legendary... I would like to believe we're going to hear something really interesting, and especially given the history lately of just bizarre decisions, announcements, and things that generally seem to make people unhappy. I specifically hoped that this wasn't going to be another ad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Another promotional only. I was hoping that we'd hear about maybe what's, what the world championship is going to look like the return mm. of organized play or what their plans were or maybe not a detailed calendar but at least an outline of what that was going to be and this wasn't anything quite like what i hoped for it had a few like kind of large announcements but it's mostly a product announcement would did you feel that way when you when you first heard that there was going to be a big announcement from wizards i you know i somehow managed to miss it altogether like good, good I, play good play. i'm on you know i'm on magic twitter and i usually see all this stuff flying around and for some reason this one just passed me totally by so i i kind of picked it up on the back end well i i feel in my opinion that because this was mostly just talking about all the different cards that are coming out and not what i would consider a legendary announcement they used up their clickbait play on me you know, they, they mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not going to work next time. I'm not going to dedicate part of my stream to seeing their new products quite as freely. Yeah, but you're not, not going to wait in line like the night before around the block. <laughs> no, no, no. This isn't Black Friday anymore. At this point, I think we, I think we should assume until until we see a trend otherwise that if they have something to say, it's about products and lots yep. of them. Yeah. Every time. Oh, um, my God. And when we mean lots of them, there are lots of them. Wait, so the well, and and I just I just wanted to interject here, CGV. I don't want to you know steal your thunder here or anything like that. But I did just want to just briefly say that I I really want to feel excited about new cards. I really yeah. do. You know yeah like they they're they great. Do. New cards are great. 
it's all great. But I just, I have to say, man, like, like the early spoiler season for Strixhaven last time and like now this, it's just a bit much. It's a bit much for me. I don't know if other people in the community are feeling the same way. I'm in this mindset of, man, what's going on with Strixhaven? What's happening in Historic? I'm just getting my mindset around to like, we have this new set, it's here, how's it actually going to look, right? And already I'm getting like beaten over the head with not only more standard playable cards, but also like more historic cards. I mean, the ink hasn't fully dried on the freaking mystical archive. So anyway, <laughs> I just, I had to get that off my chest before we go any further. All right. Because, you, you know, you were talking uh, in a previous podcast about like Wizards has never tested the upper ceiling of how much product they can make. And I'm reaching my ceiling, you know, as a consumer oh, yeah? and a content creator. My brain is about saturated. Gotcha. All right. So I'm going to now take on the challenge. It's now my duty to get you and the audience with your saturated brains hyped about some of the cool stuff that uh, they are announcing because it is cool. I, I had just hoped for more like organized play or direction or communication from wizards about things that I don't know if we're ever going to get that ever again, quite frankly, but I, they got me hyped for that. That's not what we got. We got a lot of product announcements, but a lot of it is, in my opinion, cool. So the reason they said it's a legendary announcement is because they have they they have uh, announced this as the Summer of Legend. Arjuna, why didn't they launch Magic Legends in the Summer of Legend? Why? <laughs> How is this not part of it? Anyway, um, but there is a daily MTG article uh, under news called Welcome to the Summer of Legend. If you want to play along with us, you can Google Welcome to the Summer of Legend, and I'm sure you will find it, unless another company already did this or something. But anyway, the first big announcement is going to be just, I'm just going to touch on it briefly. It's Dungeons and Dragons Dark Alliance. This is a role-playing game. Uh, you can look for the trailer on YouTube, uh, the official gameplay trailer. I'm going to, when, when it comes to Dungeons and Dragons and when it comes to reviewing other games, I'm going to give a shout out to Merchant, who does a series of game reviews called Is It Good? So I'm going to be waiting to hear the Is It Good on Dark Alliance. But uh, for the most part, I don't know a lot about this. The trailer did look really cool. Any thoughts on Dark Alliance? I, you know, so I really enjoyed Magic Legends, but it was kind of a hot mess at release. And the only, the only thing I have to say about this is I, I hope this one's just a little bit more release ready, right? Because, okay. because yeah. Magic Legends is like an actually cool game and it's an actually fun game. And it was kind of mired with all of this like, unfinished controversy right when it was released so that that's my main hope with this game it, it got i mean it received some very like scathing reviews didn't it and uh it really i think got damaged right that's it like, i i think it's like it's a good game that i think could have had a good reception and they they, they just rushed it you know is what it comes down to it, you know it wasn't optimized it doesn't have quite enough content in it yet um, half of the you know items and cards and combos and stuff is broken. They don't quite work properly, and mm -hmm. so it just people kind of moved on and didn't even really give it a good chance. I and, I just checked Twitch. How yeah. many viewers would you say are in the Magic Legends category at this very moment? I'm guessing it's like double digits. What? <laughs> Yikes! 
<laughs> two. That's a two I'm holding up to the camera. Yikes. Single uh, People digit. listening on Spotify and Apple. Viewing. Yeah, two. Two viewers. Yep. Uh, yep. And you know, everybody gets one viewer. There's no such thing as zero viewers <laughs> on Twitch. So there are two streamers and there are two viewers. So there's literally nobody just watching. No, no one's watching. Yeah. So now uh, none, of, none of this is talking specifically about Dark Alliance, but I just like, that's it, man. I just give me a game that's actually playable. That's That'll be a place to start. So have you read any of the Forgotten Realm of the Icewind Dale uh, series? No. So I just read the very first book, The Crystal Shard, because I tweeted on Twitter that I wanted to get more in the know for D&D before this first set came out, and so I could understand the lore. And they told me the Icewind Dale series was awesome. And I read the first book. I really like it. And I mentioned that because apparently Dark Alliance is set in Icewind Dale. So I'm excited about it, even though I've never played D&D, because I really liked the book. So I just wanted to throw that in there, too. Nice. The next part is a paper product called Modern Horizons 2. Um, so Modern Horizons 2 is something that you're going to hear about a lot. If you are an arena player, and we are the Arena Craft Podcast, you might keep wondering, ooh, when is this cool Modern Horizons 2 thing coming out? Those cards sound absolutely lit. It's not coming to arena, right? So Modern Horizons does not get released on arena at all right now i believe there is a modern horizons 2 two modern horizons 2 cards on arena by way of the historic anthology hmm. like yeah there's right. the crab and the merit lage card the two blue ones well and it, it, the uh, the green cantrip i think is from this set as well <gasps> abundant harvest abundant yes harvest. yeah that yeah that's right and okay that that um. cause gas so you know yeah i mean powerful like Let's just put it right out there. Like these Horizon sets are powerful sets, right? They're intentionally overpowered. They are cards that, when we, the pitch of Modern Horizons is these are cards that we didn't want to print into standard because they're too powerful. Yeah. I just want you to think about that for a second. <laughs> and then I'm going to mention some cards that didn't go into Modern Horizons 2 Uro, Omnath, Oko. Once so upon that's, a time. That's the bar for the rares and mythics. They should be better than those cards if they're in Modern Horizons 2 instead of Standard, uh, in theory. I, I mean, don't think that's actually going to happen. I mean, they did meet that bar with the first Modern Horizons, right? They printed such cards Some of them as did, like yeah. Hogak and Force oh. of Negation and stuff like that. Uh, so... Arkham's Astrolabe just oh, made yeah. Snow Astrolabe. an omnipresent thing. Urza ran the format for a good amount of time when paired with Astrolabe. Yeah. I All right. Here's the thing. Uh, Modern Horizons 2. I, w yes, it sold. Obviously, it made money. And now they're like, all right, we're going to go get that money. I, I can't believe this is a good idea. Like they, it Modern Horizons 1 was the Eldraine of Modern. It destroyed modern for a period of time. And some would say it's just now recovering after Hogak and Arkham's Astrolabe and a whole bunch of cards that went directly from standard into modern, like Oko, have all been banned. So everybody yeah. is just looking at this product like it's going to destroy that format. <laughs> I, how could it not? Yeah. And I mean, you know, so th they're starting right off with like a total crowd pleaser slash banger right here because they're printing five, so basically half of the cycle of fetch lands 
into modern horizons too and like if you haven't been paying attention to the discourse in the wider magic community it's like people have literally been like holding wizards by the collar up against the wall being like when are we getting our fetch lands when are we getting our fetch lands so this is actually oh, a pretty big yeah. deal and to clarify on that enemy fetch lands because yes. um allied fetch lands were last printed in cons of tarkir i believe it was okay but enemies were not which means that each of these is going for like misty rainforces like 80 to 100 dollars on a regular basis yeah so from a financial standpoint these cards are pretty necessary to play older formats and reprinting them is a big deal it's on it's going to make the product sell it's going to be worth a lot absolutely uh so especially these full art versions and these old frame versions and so we're going to see and one of the spoilers we don't have to talk about every single spoiler but one of the things that's coming to modern now is just counterspell counterspell so they they dodged historic and they're putting it straight into modern what do you think I, I I still think it should be in historic. <laughs> I, I d look do it do what you want to with modern. I, I I feel like the whole point of this is to sell a set that wrecks the format and then slowly reheal it, and that's that's just what they're gonna do. But I I still don't know why we have cards in our MTG Arena accounts that we can't play anywhere on MTG Arena. Like that drives me crazy. It is really odd. You know, although, you know, at least counter spells like playable and limited, right? So that's a fun one to rip. It's been really weird. Like, just, just to pretend I don't play limited. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I like building decks from a collection, not from a pack, okay? <laughs> but like, it's so weird. Okay, the one that's been strangest to me is watching Dark Ritual go around the draft table. Because, like, literally, where is Dark Ritual getting played on MTG Arena? Like, I haven't seen that resolve once. And it's just, it's such, it's so weird, right? Because it's such an iconic card as well. It's like, it, it's a little bit like the ignominious um, first appearance of Black Lotus on Arena, right? It's kind of like, almost as an afterthought in like a random little side format that they made for an event. And so it's just, it's a little sad, you know? It's, it just makes my heart hurt a little bit to see like some of these most classic, most iconic cards have such a floppy debut on the Arena Client. Uh, to clarify what you said there for people who missed it, because it was a very brief window in time that now feels like light years ago. Beyonds ago. To hype, yeah, to hype the release of Theros Beyond Death, they gave you pre-construct brawl decks or just standard decks with like Ashiok and Elspeth as kind of the two figureheads of each deck. But they just randomly had cards in them like Black Lotus and Ancestral Recall. Like Power Nine busted cards were yeah. programmed into Arena to be played in this Get You Hyped for Theros event and we haven't seen them since. Yeah, it's it's just odd. That's it. You know, it's like you yeah, you have weird. you have one chance to like hype these iconic cards on the platform. It just seems odd to me that we're getting them in this way, right? But anyway, so do you want to talk about something else that's odd? Uh, I I enjoy odd things, CGB. Okay, I don't really want to review all the cards that were announced for Modern Horizons, but I yeah. do want to talk about Urza's Saga. Okay, take us. Through. Do, you, do you have that one on your screen? Um, I'm getting there. All right, yep. it's okay. in the announcement. It's about halfway down. Yeah. It's, so first it's a, of all, it's a land saga. 
Like, it, whoa. It, it's called Urza's Saga, <laughs> which is also the name of a set. Yes. Which is that's not, that's confusing. not confusing at all. <laughs> that's fine. Everything's fine. This card is an enchantment land. An enchantment land. Oh, I missed that. They've done creature lands. Hold up. I missed that it was an enchantment. Oh, snap. Yeah. It is an enchantment that is also a land. When it enters the battlefield as a land enchantment, it has a chapter one, which says it gains the ability to tap for one colorless. So it becomes a colorless land. It becomes a colorless land. Okay. Chapter two, you can tap two mana and tap Urza Saga to create a zero zero colorless construct artifact creature token and it gets plus one plus one for each artifact you control okay that's quite an ability on your land it's that is very good and then chapter three remember when chapter three goes off you sacrifice this card so it doesn't sit there as a colorless land afterwards it still goes to the graveyard which is kind of wild but uh, chapter three, search your li- your library for an artifact card with mana cost of zero or one and put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle. This card's not going to cause problems anywhere, CGB. <laughs> You're going to tutor for artifact. For like a, a black lotus. <laughs> for a lotus, for a mox, for a whatever it is that you want. So the reason it says it doesn't say cost for one or less, I... I mean, I'm, I'm I'm assuming that there's some busted stuff it can do, uh, but the, I, I don't know, man. It's so weird that you would play a land for that would only be a land for two turns, then tutor you an artifact. It I am so I'm just so weirded out by this card. And if you look at the art, they even did like this sketch art too, so that it looks like here's the art, but in incomplete form. But that's like the rarer special treatment. if you like your art half baked we got this for you yeah and it yeah and it's not like uh it's not like an artful like a half done like um raphael masterpiece or something it's it's like kind of a sketchy little weird art so yeah yeah this card is weird this art is weird and if this just tells me modern horizons 2 is going to be the just weird weird, oh man though like does this not card does this card not have busted written all over it to you? Because like, I think so. It like that. I don't know, man, this combination of things like this, this card just feels like a problem to me, especially in older formats. Like (sighs) just like, think about the curves, man. Like this is basically turn three, like guaranteed Lotus, right? Which is just, and because I mean that, that card's like restricted, right? Isn't that restricted in vintage? Yeah, you can only have one in your deck, right? And so you can just like reliably, you can put four of these in your deck, and you can reliably have Lotus on three, right? Which, I just, you know, okay. I don't, I don't even know what busted is in those formats, though. I just assume everything you do I is mean, busted. E- I mean, everything is busted. That is very, very true. You're not wrong. <laughs> but like this, this cannot get like force of will. You know what I'm saying? Like. This is just, it's its happening. This card's coming down. I mean, I suppose Wasteland exists, right? So that's a thing. Land destruction is a thing. But I don't know, man. This, this card just seems worrying to me. Okay. You can't counter this because it's a land, right? Indeed. So, so like, the enchantment part doesn't change that. It still doesn't touch the stack. It's Correct. Just, okay. 
So weird, man. This is so a, one of the stranger cards that has been designed for sure. Anyway, that's just some <laughs> of the fun that you can expect from Modern Horizons 2 in the Summer of Legend. Do we want to get to the part that hits Arena? Yes, indeed. Take us there. So they gave us some information about Dungeons and Dragons Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. Wait. He said Dungeons and Dragons. I thought this was a magic pot. It's a crossover, baby. They're taking the things you love, the dungeons and the dragons and the magic and the gathering and they're mashing them together. Are you, you know, are you excited? You know what's kind of unnerving the more I think about this? So Wizards of the Coast has two main babies, right? Two main children. One of yeah. them's magic, one of them's D&D. And they're basically, yeah. they're basically like, they like called both of their children into the room and they're like, okay, magic. Okay, D&D. It's time for you to procreate. I mean, what an awkward conversation, you know? <laughs> it's just, it's just for the summer of legend. Okay, it's, just, it's just for one it's sweet just a, summer. <laughs> it's just a summer romance. You two have to stay in the same room and get really, really acquainted. Oh, anyway, it it didn't occur to me how incestuous and weird that was until right now. So we can we can we can move along. But yes, I are, are you sure? I'm not sure I can move along from that. <laughs> I'm all right. Um, so with my very very limited D and D knowledge. I'm looking at the art here. Uh, it shows a dark elf or drow um, whose name is, should definitely be right on the edge of my lips because he's the main freaking character in the book. But for some reason, because I'm recording a podcast and I have podcaster brain, I have yeah. forgotten it. It'll hit me like a freaking truck in a minute. But that is a dark elf who can summon a spirit panther named Gwen, Guinevere? Guinevere. Uh, so that is the spirit panther Guinevere and the the drow who is the main character of the freaking book I read that I've forgotten jumping in to fight a dragon. So I'm excited to see t uh, one of my favorite characters and his spiritual pet uh, as the centerpiece of the set. That's that's pretty awesome. All right. Cats are still cool. I, I the, dude, the spirit panther is like one of the best things about it anyway. I believe um, the this will be available on July 8th. They pushed back the release date uh, for paper on some of these things, but July 8th is the drop day for the Dungeons and Dragons set on MTG Arena. Now, I want to call your attention to the line right above that that says June 29th is when previews begin. June 29th, previews begin. What? Are we in the future right now, CGB? Last I checked, <laughs> it is May 7th that we're recording this. And they dropped some previews. But <laughs> I, I guess what they mean is that the official preview week begins June 29th. So just think about that. Ten days. Be, actually, nine, right? Because on set launch day, they're obviously not revealing the set. Mm -hmm. So nine, a nine-day spoiler season. And July 4th in America is a big holiday, like a holiday weekend. Like nothing gets done. Yeah. This is going to be the... So I'm assuming Wizards will not be like spoiling a bunch of cards on July 4th uh, or the weekend around it. Maybe they will. But this looks to oh, me like the God. shortest preview window of all time. I'm guessing like five days. Do you know what that means? Like a five-day preview window. Do you know what I, that means? It, we're, our podcast is going to be we're messed gonna, up. We're going to... I'm not going to have a voice. Dude, it's cancel like, your barbecue. I, I know, dude. <laughs> 
Okay. You're not going right. to fireworks. You're staying in the office, and we're talking about the set. Okay. <laughs> Don't you think for a minute you get out of it? You, you made a commitment you, to the crafty nation. You know what, you British boy? You, you have to stop celebrating the 4th of July and show up to work. I, I think I can do that, CGB. <laughs> I, it might be harder for me. <laughs> it might actually be a lot harder for me to get out of the family get-togethers. But, I mean, I'm just telling you, like, if you... We're, we're going to have to, like, train for this. We need, like, a montage. We need to, like, be working out and, like, doing, like, vocal warm-ups because if we learned anything from the last set review... We can get worn down doing too many hours of this in a row. Oh, seriously. And it can it can make us look at cards differently. Seriously. You know? Well that, that's so. just what I was thinking, man. I you know, thank you thank you for sticking with us through the Strixhaven spoilers, crafties, because yeah, I mean that was a slog. I I look back on that with some remorse. But Yeah, um, me too. You know, but but we're gonna we're gonna put on our big boy pants. We're gonna get enthusiastic mm-hmm. about this set, and we're gonna do it right. And also, CGB, oh, yeah. I'm sorry to say, but I'm gonna start reading the draft commons and uncommons again, because for Strixhaven, I was oh, like, okay. you know what? I'll cut CGB a break. I'll just skip a lot of these dorky looking cards that aren't gonna show up in standard. And then, sure enough, like yeah, we, we missed it. We, we missed a bunch of things. We don't read tainted packs, and we don't read guiding voice or whatever, and we don't read all the most important cards in the set. And there you go. But anyway, so so I'm sorry, CGB. You're gonna have to nope. deal with it, man. I get it. I get it. Sign me up. Um, we're we're gonna we're gonna need a lot of pull ups though to be mentally <laughs> and physically strong. All right. So 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 what did they give us to look at here? Because we've actually got some cards that we're gonna evaluate. Yeah, we we get to start the spoiling today. We're gonna get a big running head start and tell you about some new cards that are gonna be in Adventures of the Forgotten Realms. So the first one is Planes. Uh, Planes is a basic land. Planes. It has really sick art. All right, and it has a uh, flavor text. There's actual story flavor text on planes. What do you think of that? What do you think of planes? Well, so th- <laughs> this is kind of a cool land cycle, actually, because what they've done here is the the land is kind of like your DM, right? So for any of you who haven't played Dungeons and Dragons or any role playing game, the you know you have like a DM who's kind of telling the story they're the narrator they're the person who's creating the environment that your character is in and so we look at this flavor text on the plains and it says venturing beneath the desert sands you've discovered an alien power pulsing with inconceivable energy which is cool by the way that's that's a fun little lead in there um yeah but i think that it's just it, it's breaking the fourth wall a bit here right this is the first time that i know of that like the law, the flavor text of a card has addressed the player directly, right? So that's I never thought of it that way, but you're right. It's kind of interesting. They broke the it? fourth wall. They did, huh? Now, now, no, rule- just, I mean, I guess Walking Dead really shattered. The fourth wall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's true. I mean, there is no wall. It's, it's stepped on. The wall is already stepped on. But I, I just I thought that was interesting. No, that is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to say, like, I the I all these lands look really good. Mm-hmm. I I think the art looks really cool. I really want full art ones. Yes, the full art. I think will be they'll sick. look great. Mm-hmm. The island looks 
no surprise to anybody out there, but the island to me looks amazing with like a, a whirlwind tornado type thing going on. Oh, mm-hmm. so nice. So nice. One thing that stands out to me is that the aesthetic looks quite dark, right? So like there's a lot Very. of shadow in these lands. Like, you know, even the plains is kind of shadowy looking. So maybe that kind of portends that it's going to be somewhat of a dark themed set. Well, we can get into our first cards and look at how dark those are. And it's kind of funny that they chose some hype cards that they seem like they're made to play on tropes in D&D. And they had a guy from the D&D department on the stream like telling you why these are funny D&D jokes. I still don't get it. So people are going to leave comments and that's just the way it's going to be. But uh, the very first one here is Portable Hole. Portable Hole is an artifact. It is one white mana. And it says when Portable Hole enters the battlefield, exile target non-land permanent an opponent controls with mana value two or less until Portable Hole leaves the battlefield. Yeah, what cause, do you think? This card's gas, dude. Um, Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so Glass Casket has seen plenty of play in Standard. And this is uh, half the cost, and it hits two-thirds of the things. So um, I imagine that mages like you in particular are going to be happy about this card because it lets you do something like on turn three, oh, I don't know, exile your two-drop and leave up Essence Scatter, right? So mm-hmm, these, mm-hmm. these are the kind of play patterns I'm thinking of. So, so the question in my mind is... Um, how much do we miss for not being able to hit those three drops, right? Your opponent slams an Annex and you're looking at Portable Hole like, what am I doing with my life? I can't think of a competitive or serious deck where Portable Hole does nothing. And that's, that's a good point. Like, like, that's the important thing about it. Yeah. This, says, this says non-land permanent. This can hit Wolf Willow oh, Haven. Oh, hold on, dude. Yeah. Because the casket's just creature, right? Yes. Oh, okay. This is a whole. This is a whole other level, man. <laughs> Get it? This. Oh. You did go. it. You did it. Okay. Yeah. No. Actually. Okay. Now that you mentioned that and highlight that portable hole is just freaking amazing. It's busto, right? Yeah. I mean, you could pick off a treasure token, like yeah. if you wanted to. And some would say, "Well, that's a waste of a card." Well, I'm just going to blink it with Yorian. So as long as I keep on picking off. This treasure token and that lovestruck beast token. I'm a happy guy. Uh, the, yeah. Since when have we had a playable card for one white that wasn't a two-one creature? You know, yeah. I, or yeah. or a selfless savior. Like it's always creatures. There's plenty of playable one-drop creatures. They're not great, but they're playable. There's almost no playable answers to them because they're all too narrow. Shock is like the only thing. Yeah, and uh, I think this is awesome. Yeah, like this is so sick. Like, let's say you're in a control mirror, right? And it's game one, so you're just playing your control cards, and and you know your control opponent plays their maze mind tome, and you take your portable hole, which was gonna be dead in the matchup because your opponent doesn't play cheap creatures, and you slam it down, and your opponent cries. So I yeah I like like I said I can't think of a deck where it's dead. Because yeah. of that, you go ahead. I, we finally have a 
a playable answer to Edgewall Innkeeper that isn't Bone Crusher Giant, you know, or Frostbite. Yeah, that isn't Red. Oh, you, that's you know, great. The only one I can think of is uh, I forget the name of the companion, but any deck that runs the Hippo, <laughs> got oh, him. That's fine too, though. Like I said, you can like if they run like Magma Opus, which my version of that deck does, you yeah. can still like you pick can on treasure. Nab the yeah the tokens and stuff. There's yeah. you, oh Magma Opus makes a four four. I guess true. you have to deal you with it sometime. It. Shark Typhoon. Yep. Just get them. Yeah. Just get them. Yeah, it's true. Cod's gas. I I think this might even have a big impact on whether or not token cards that make tokens are actually good. Mm. Because it's just one mana to answer whatever token you generate. So mm-hmm. it's almost like an afterthought. Mm-hmm. It's pretty here's, good. Here's my question, CGB. How far back in the formats do you think this card will be played? Like, I could see this card seeing play all the way back to, to Vintage. Like, I Anywhere don't know. Anywhere where, yeah. I don't know those formats, so I can't say, but this strikes me as like a playable card just across Magic. I, I believe that to be true. I don't know enough about Vintage, but like from what I've watched of Legacy and Modern, this would definitely reach those formats because usually the older um, the, older the format gets, the more the cheap cards are just coming together the things that were printed that were way better than rate so if this is standard playable i mean it'll go back this this and it's an uncommon it's not a rare by the way yeah that is kind of awesome in a way for the because usually when they make a card that good it's a rare so that's a good trend no this card is stone cold sick plus the the flavor is excellent Yeah. yeah well done well done Ah, oh, this card and Yorian are only going to be together for uh, only like three months in standard. Uh, Can you believe that? It's, it's such a Isn't sad time. Isn't that sad? Time. Such Isn't a that sad time. Some people are like, just get rid of Yorian now. But I'm like, <laughs> oh, our, our time together will be so short. <laughs> All right. Well, what, what are we looking at next here? Power Word Kill is another reference that I don't quite yeah, completely understand, even though it was something. explained. Yeah, it was yeah. like explained to me and I forgot. Uh, one in a black instant. Okay. Destroy target, non-angel, non-demon, non-devil, non-dragon creature. Okay. So this is a revised doom blade. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, very playable. Um, you're definitely going to get hosed at some point running this, I suppose. <laughs> I, I think, I think the metas, like you'll know the meta in which you need to watch out for running this card, but otherwise it's just going to be very good. I think. I think it's very rare that it's dead. Um, yeah. for as long as Eldraine is around, we have adventure creatures. So you'll have a target. The deck that I can think of where this makes is the most feels bad is anything with Goldspan Dragon. Like you are going to feel really bad not yeah. being able to kill that card. <clears throat> I the, think the, uh, the rest that, of it isn't important. The Is it Dragons deck has multiple dragons, right? So that's just going to be a, a, a killing. Um, although this can that'll, that'll get you. This can hit like Faceless Haven at least, so that's cool. No, it can't. Is that right? Faceless Haven is oh, an wait, angel, a, a demon, a devil, no! and a dragon. <laughs> what? Why? That is a bit of a tilt. Why actually. is Faceless Haven CGB? Why is that card, man? Why is Faceless Haven the way Faceless Haven is? Oh my god! Why? Did it have to be a shapeshifter? Come on. Yeah, it just right. had to be. It had to be. Anyway, uh, it is. I'd still think a good card. But the thing about 
doom blade remember when we had like standard without a doom blade type effect for what felt like years and then they made cast down and we're all like doom blades back on the menu boys and yeah. now we have like five doom blades to choose yeah. from like exactly. it's just another doom blade mm -hmm. so it's another one or two of to go with your mix of heartless act and eliminate baleful mastery flunk blood chief's thirst grasp of darkness you know whatever no biggie no you're right so the, like it's a, it's a real saturated spot on the black curve right they oh yeah. uh they wanted i you know what i think happened is that people were like complaining that there were too many euros and too many this and too many that and wizards was like here just just take a bunch of answers you know here's a bunch of cheap answers maybe that'll <laughs> pacify the plebs but it's that's ridiculous because they put draw a card on the Uro and the Omnath yeah. so that I can ignore these things. <laughs> you know, we we don't discuss such technicalities. It's, it's fine. They banned those. It's fine. Yeah. All right. Are you ready? Are you ready for number three? Uh, right. Lay it on me. So this is Prosperous Innkeeper is Wait. the name of the card. Now, yep. Wait. What what word is printed on this card? Prosperous Innkeeper. We're... Does this mean we're going to have two innkeepers in standard at the same time? We are. <laughs> I don't know and if I'm. Your... I don't know if I'm ready for this CGB. Your reaction is right on par with uh, Twitch chat. <laughs> it's really funny to see how certain cards have just made Magic players get triggered oh whenever they're God. mentioned. And the oh second this card was mentioned, like everything just blew up with like, oh God, not more innkeepers. Not As if being innkeeper. an innkeeper is the problem with Edgewall <laughs> innkeeper. Look, if Edgewall innkeeper were a one man, a one, two, like a squire, nobody would be upset about the name of the card. It's because it has the text it has. Indeed. So, Let's 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 talk about the prosperous innkeeper. This is one in a green, one one creature, halfling citizen, and it says, "When prosperous innkeeper enters the battlefield, draw fifteen cards." No, it doesn't. Done. All right, let's go. <laughs> it doesn't say that. It says, uh, "When it enters the battlefield, create a treasure token, and whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, you gain one life." Hmm. So not an immediately, like, it, this doesn't strike me as an immediately playable or an immediately unplayable card. Um, the, so the last time we had an effect like this was, I believe, that Goblin, right? It was the, uh, it, that still sees play in the historic Goblins deck. And I've, Wily it, Goblin Wily is the card Goblin. you're thinking of. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Now this card has more text than Wily Goblin does. It's also easier to cast, which is nice. Um, but Wily Goblins, it saw in my memory like fringe play in standard. It wasn't like a complete dud, but it was definitely not like a kind of a form format staple by any means. Mm -hmm. And um, this, I don't know, man. I feel like this card is all about context. That's kind of what I'm reading from it. It's all about curve. It's all about do you care about the life? Do you need a sack dock at some point, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. What What are you thinking about it? So first of all, uh, you're focused on the tre on the treasure side, which is totally reasonable. That's mm -hmm. probably the better side. Ramp mm -hmm. is pretty freaking cool. Uh, and anything that's like two mana, make a lotus petal, it gets consideration. This is easier to cast than Wily Goblin, 
casting Wily Goblin in a two-color deck was mostly out of the question on curve because you really wanted it on curve. This just requires one green. That's cool. It is a 1-1, one, one, so it lets Lovestruck Beast attack yeah, as well as true. Eddie does. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of helpful. There is also this other side of the card, which isn't normally in green. It's the Soul Sister card. It's a Soul yeah. Warden. It says, whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you gain one life. And there is, because green needs everything, there is this life gain synergy stuff sneaking into green. And it started in the last set, started in Strixhaven. There's uh, the green Dean, uh, the black and green one. It's Valentin on the front and I think Lizette on the back, mm -hmm. which says whenever you gain life, you may pay one. If you do, put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control and they gain trample. That's that's yeah, kind of good. That's a line of text. For sure. So uh, this is giving green something it usually doesn't have access to uh usually white has to have this kind of effect and it ramps as well i i bet that there's a deck that's gonna want this mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, i mean it definitely reads as a card that will be in consideration in multiple archetypes and i i agree with you i'd be surprised if it doesn't show up somewhere and i wouldn't be surprised if it shows up a lot more than that all right what's better this card or Tangled Florahedron? Yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, I mean, it all depends, right? Like, I think post Bone Crusher, I would say the Tangled Florahedron, but right now it could be the Innkeeper. You know? Because even if they kill, if they kill your Tangled Florahedron, yeah, you basically lost out on a land somewhere down the line, and yep. you didn't get to make any mana with this. Even if they kill it. Even if they bone crush it, you get a treasure to use for a future mana. It passes the bone crusher giant test. Like if they bone crush this, they don't feel great about it. No. You still got something out of it. No, that's true. Well, and especially this is what I read. Like you put this in a deck where either the treasure matters or the curve matters, right? So like if you're consistently trying to hit a four drop on turn three or if you're trying to curve into some other kind of a configuration, or maybe you're trying to like do something with your gold span when it hits the board, or do something with your Galazeth Prismari when it hits the board, right? Um, you, you don't just, I, I don't think anyway that you just toss this into your deck because it's like a generically good card. And so, yeah, so in that situation, it already did its work. It, it made the stuff. Yeah, your opponent doesn't feel good about zinging it with the Bone Crusher Giant, and, and you're off to the races, right? Um, yeah, but, but you know, Tangled, Tangled Florahedron can just be played as a land, which is nice. And in a land light hand, the Florahedron might be better because, you know, you just slam it on turn one as a tap land, and it helps you keep hitting your land drops. So... Yeah, but I, I think there's a lot of play to this card, certainly. There's also the fact that it does make an artifact. Like, maybe there's something mm -hmm. that requires artifacts. An artifact in play makes it better, right? Mm -hmm. This is just a sweet little play. It, it, it kind of costs one mana because you can, if you have a in way a to way. use the mana right away. That's true. Like, like, you can play it on three and then have two mana up for interaction, which is cool. Oh, yeah. So here's, here's my question, CGB. Is is this gonna get your end? <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> dude! You gain life. You gain life when stuff enters the battlefield, and you make more uh, treasures. How true. do we not Yori in this card? How yeah. do we? How, I can't not Yori in this card, dude. 
it must be done <laughs> all right it there you go done. so we're looking at some kind of like bant yorian deck with portable hole and prosperous innkeeper it's going to be great well the next card if if you don't mind me moving along is not yorian worthy it's unfortunately it, it's not yorian worthy yeah I, why not I know. i'm gonna need you to review it because i just can't you know well, why not all right all right I'll, here we go i'll get to it okay he'll he'll tiamat is a a a five color dragon <laughs> tiamat is two and a wooberg a white blue black red green for a legendary creature dragon god at mythic it's a seven seven flyer and when this card enters the battlefield if you cast it search your library oh. for up to five dragon oh. cards not named tiamat that each have different names reveal them put them into your hand and shuffle i see the problem yep they're ruining all your fun they are i was gonna fetch like 15 different dragons <laughs> you know the, <laughs> the funny thing is like did they really need to have that clause on it like, maybe for commander or something but I, like how do you yeah. build a deck with that many different <laughs> that named many dragons, dragons that blinking this is abusable <laughs> and, and i mean and here's the thing is they all go into your hand so unless you have a way to like empty your hand onto the board you can't even cast all of them right so right yeah, but anyway, um, I mean, definitely an epic card. This doesn't read to me like a standard playable card. This reads to me like a fun commander card. But I fully agree. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, definitely an epic card by by any stretch. Um, Can you? Okay, here's here's the here's the challenge. Seven. I need five dragons with different names that you would fetch in standard. Yeah. Okay. Well, they did just print the cycle of of the you know legendary Elder uh, Strixhaven dragons. So oh, boom! You did it. There you go. <laughs> there you just go. All Let's five grab. of those. Shwing. Man, that's cheating. I didn't think of that. I'm so mad. <laughs> so mad. <laughs> all right. But but can you name them all? Ah, uh, that's a great question. Okay. So there's Galazeth Prismari. Yes. Tanazia Quandrix. Nice job. Shadrick Silverquill. Good job. Belladros with a bloom? Yes. Uh and oh it's the freaking Lawhold one. Why can't I remember the Lawhold one? Uh uh oh okay yeah you, yeah you helped out. All right, Velamarcus. Velamarcus yes. Lawhold. All right. All right. Good job. Good you know job. what? Someone's been paying attention. Hell yeah. <laughs> so, uh yeah. I, those are the four cards. Those are our spoilers. Hold on. No, they, there. they did give no. us some more. They we have give more. Us some more. Well, okay. So uh, we didn't. We don't have text on this, but so it's just like a little teaser. But they did give us a beholder. So here's here's yeah. my here's my question to you, CGB. I want for you to put the text on this card. What what is this card? Put the text on the card. I yeah. don't know anything about the beholder other than what I heard on the stream. Just um, just just. And it's a common. Oh, it's a common. It's a common. Oh, yeah. I when I saw that I was like, oh, well, I'm totally dehyped. They didn't give us the text. Uh, they well, just it's gave probably us these just screens. some stupid like six three it's for like, five or something. Yeah. yeah probably Yargle, right? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it's gonna be some kind of Yargle card, exactly. <laughs> it's actual Yargle. It's vanilla <laughs> nine three for five. Done. It's the non-legendary version, because Yargle was too broken. 
Yeah, exactly. I, I guess they did give us another card. They gave us the buy a box promotion card. Yeah, the buy a box promo card. Exactly. Okay. So um, I'll read this one. Yeah, Vorpal. So this is a spicy one. One black artifact equipment at rare. Equipped creature gets plus two plus zero oh, and has death touch. Uh, and I'll read the equip cost first. The equip cost is black, black. And then it has this one eh, little line of text on it here. Pay five black, black, black. Until end of turn, Vorpal Sword, gain, Vorpal Sword gains. Whenever equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, that player loses the game. Control finisher? What do you think, CGB? <laughs> this, this, this card's a freaking meme. <laughs> um, all right, so if... If I were interested in the plus two plus O and death touch for the one black to play it, which is a pretty low cost, and then the two black to equip it, which yeah, is not, not a bad. great cost. Like it's not a high cost, but it's not a great cost, right? Because mm-hmm. you can't like equip it for free to a fervent champion. That would be nuts. Um yeah, that would be nice. I just don't know where I'd ever play if it didn't have the line about losing the game. I don't know where I'd ever play this. And since since that line is flavor text 99% of the time, like a Planeswalker ultimate, you're just not going to have that much mana and get to connect with the creature it's on. I can't possibly get excited about the card. This is another card that I think is speaking to an audience outside of the competitive realm, you know? Yeah, I I would agree. It would be a very strange deck that would want to run this in standard or even historic. I think Um, you cut like... You can't even like Sigarda's aid this, right? You can't cheat this. Like you just need to be able to actually generate the eight mana and then you need to be able to connect. And yeah, that's that's just not like decks that are in for like the front half of the card are just not going to be able to pay the mana for the for the back half of the card, right? Like yep. so that's that's kind of the issue with it. Like even in your dinky rinky mono black deck that's you know maybe the game goes long and whatever like those decks never hit eight mana man like if you hit eight mana playing those mono black decks it's because you're dead it's because your control opponent has like rested control of the game and your sword is never connecting it's a cute like side quest but when i compare this to halvar god of battle it's not close Nope. Like, I mean, here's here's the embarrassing thing, right? CGB is that Embercleave has the same text. No, no, (laughs) don't talk about Embercleave anymore. I can't. (laughs) Like, Embercleave (laughs) does have this text. Whenever equipped creature kills summit damage to a player, that player loses the game. They just lose the game via math instead of via explicit rules, right? So, yep. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. But commander <laughs> players will probably have some fun with this. Maybe they team it up with Dark Ritual and There you go. There you go. There, there you, you go. go. Gotta love it. But I mean, you know, very flavorful card. And like you said, the front half of it is not flagrantly unplayable. So that is our first look at the adventures of the in the Forgotten Realms, which I'm much more hyped for than I was a few months ago after reading the the Icewind Dale series. So I encourage anybody to check that out if they have time for some reading because it really helped me get more enthusiastic because it is a good story. Uh, the next thing that was in the Summer of Legend announcement 
Well, actually, there was a lot of stuff for returning to paper play. Um, and there's stuff about MTG Arena Mobile. Basically, hey, it still exists. And there are reasons to go to your local game store, like a special Fable Passage and Mystery Booster. But this is the Arena Craft Podcast. Any any comments on any of those before I just go right into the next arena thing? No, nah, Paper Magic doesn't exist, bro. Gotcha. So uh, in there is going to be on May 27th, which is actually coming up here pretty quick in 20 days. Uh, there is Historic Anthology 5. So as you said, the ink isn't even dry. The digital ink isn't even dry on the Mystical Archive. There's, they're injecting more cards into Historic. And they gave us two cards. The first one is Vorinclex, the voice of hunger. This is six green green legendary creature Praetor at Mythic. Trample. Whenever you tap a land for mana, add one mana of any type that land produced. Whenever an opponent taps a land for mana, that land doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step. And it is a 7-6. Yikes. What do, you, what do you got? I mean, this this has to go straight into those like dorky mono green ramp like uh, Ulamog decks, right? Are those getting played? I mean, not currently, but people people are going to jam this into those kind of decks. You, I mean, you see them enough in historic. I agree, it's not a current thing, but that um, you know, that kind of like turbo turbo Nissa Ulamog deck, or, or like um, it was it it was running Nissa and Vivian Four. There was this kind of like aggressive build. It was kind of modeled after the. Uh, the the one that was seeing play in in the other green format. devotion yeah i guess i guess it was the devotion deck right in in pioneer yeah but so that that deck was like semi competitive at one point anyway but that's that's neither here nor there i mean this is just a top end in you know like a lot of different decks in the format it's i guess it's not as top endy as ulamog right so if you're trying to power out a big creature or like an Ugin, right? Like, would you rather resolve a Varinclax or an Ugin? Uh, who knows, right? Yeah, I but... don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, uh, eight mana. Eight mana dies to Doomblade. That that is true. Yeah, that's that's pretty brutal. But I, you know, I could see it in the mix, like in a reanimator deck. Okay, like let's say you can cheat this out and have access to your mana in the same turn. Okay, here's, here's an example. Let's say that you cheat this into the graveyard and then get it back with the Elspeth Conquer's death. On that turn, you basically have like turbo Nissa mana, right? Yeah, there's probably can, a lot of ways to make a lot of mana. This You can go off So of this it. is a, yeah, it's a battleship card, right? Yeah, this is definitely. another like Nyx Bloom Ancient, like this is, this is a Timmy Rejoice level mythic, right? <laughs> yes that is exactly the, the classification now i'm okay with this i i want these cards to be in historic so that people can play with them i just i feel like they're pushing the competitive historic with the cards they've introduced especially with archive towards more like modern and legacy and then i look at a card like this in historic anthology and i'm like this is pushing the funsy side of historic. This is, and then I look at that and I say, why are they printing these cards into this format 
when they don't have historic brawl or commander legal like yeah, legal on the regular because mm -hmm. that's where i think this card 100 percent lives mm -hmm. in that format mm-hmm the main issue with Vorinclex Voice of Hunger is not that it's a really powerful magic card in Historic. It's just that like if you're if you're doing the thing, you have better options. So mm -hmm. this is effectively the same cost as Crater Hoof Behemoth, and that's a hell of a card, right? That that ends the game. That yeah. really ends the game, right? It's and it's the same cost as Ugin, like we said, and that is also just a hell of a card. And, you know, if you're going really big, it's not as good as Ulamog. And so that's that's kind of the problem. That's that's the, the ground that Var and Klex is treading in. Yeah, and in, like, a competitive format where you're only allowed to have, like, up to... where you're allowed four copies of the best thing in that slot, it's hard to break in, which is why in singleton formats, these these cards get exciting. So I just... I think they should make Historic Brawl a thing if if they're not going to make commander they should make historic brawl a thing so i feel like i'm getting value when i buy these cards yeah i i do want to say though that Vorinclex is a little bit unique in that that effect the the nyx bloom ancient effect it is no joke and Vorinclex is a bit more of a relevant body as well so mm -hmm. there are like very very niche applications i could see that being like a deck in historic that specifically relies on Varenklex, and i'm not necessarily suggesting that it's like a competitive deck but i could see it fitting in mm -hmm. all right what about whirler rogue this other card here so whirler rogue is two blue blue for a two two human rogue artificer uncommon and when Whirler Rogue enters the battlefield, create two 1-1 one, one colorless Thopter artifact creature tokens with flying. Tap two untapped artifacts you control. Target creature can't be blocked this turn. This card had its time in standard where it was part of some competitive decks near the very end of its uh, time. So like there was the Running with Scissors deck, which had in Soul artifact that turns any artifact into a 5-5 five, five creature. And Whirler Rogue... Cranking out Thopters, making those things unblockable was often a lethal threat. I played a ton of this card in Magic Duels in Thopter Tribal type decks. So it has some playable pedigree. I'm wondering if there's a place for it. Is there an artifact deck in Historic that really wants like a critical mass with bodies or where unblockable is really strong? Anything like that? Uh, it doesn't quite line up. I feel like the current historic decks that are slamming four drops would rather be playing like Khan, right? They're a little bit more combo focused. Um, they're a little bit more kill you in one turn focused. So yeah, it's hard for me to see this fitting in exactly. I mean, it's it's a cool like the interesting thing about Whirler Rogue is that it really is more useful in creature matchups. Um, it could actually, okay, so this card could be an incredibly annoying card to play against if you're playing a card like, or a deck like Auras, right? You're like suiting up this big threat, you're dunking a bunch of enchantments onto this, you know, one creature, and then your opponent just taps it down. And then let's say the next turn, your opponent makes some more artifacts, right? You mean chump block it? Oh, no, no, you're right. That's sorry. I was misreading the card. I thought that it tapped oh, a creature. Okay. okay. So actually, no. This this card's a lot worse. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. I don't see it. I don't see it. Yorian. Yorian. Eh? Eh? No. I so 
here's the thing. I would have been excited about curving this into Yori in Once Upon a Time. And then the more I think about it, it's like, this is how some of these cards just changed magic, right? You think about Questing Beast and Embercleave versus this card. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, oh God. Remember when Lingering Souls was not just an, a standard all star, but a multi format all star? Yeah. yeah. Like uh, Young Pyromancer is another card that people are like playing, but probably more than they should, considering that yeah. it doesn't do anything against the. Like, I, I really think that cards like Questing Beast and Embercleave have changed the world. You just, you can't chump block anymore in these formats and get away with it making little bits of material doesn't do it the opponent has ways that just power right over the top of it and especially putting four mana into that ember cleave costs between four and two mana the same turn and questing beast is also four mana and it's like what are you doing yep that's it man it's just not it's not broken enough it's not busted we want our four cost plus cards these days to be real game enders you know it's like would you rather be spending four mana on this or would you rather be spending four mana on Collected Company? And mm-hmm. I guarantee mm-hmm. you that in the deck that this goes into, Collected Company is still just probably the better card, right? If this so, were three mana, maybe it would go in that deck. Uh, but... That's what I'm saying, man. Three mana, <laughs> yeah. now we're talking, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't, oh, think, yeah. I don't think we're curving Whirl of Virtuoso into Whirl of Rogue and feeling good about it in this format. So with they this these are only two cards from the art from the um historic anthology five. But if this is the power level that we can expect, like what is who who should buy historic anthologies and why? I mean, I I anticipate this will be like perhaps the least purchased historic anthology in the history of historic. Like, and I think that the mystical archive has a lot to do with that. I think if people have any extra like gems floating around or any extra whatever, they're just going to be putting that into you know, getting the fourth copy of Time Warp or or whatever like actually competitive mm-hmm. busted deck they want right now. Yeah, I I feel like the historic anthology. Say that you're a person who doesn't play historic and you're a relatively new to Magic player on Arena. Okay. And you log in one day, and in the store, there is Historic Anthology 5. And it shows you some pretty cool cards. Like, you read through them, and you're like, wow, these are pretty... Like, these do a lot of things. I wish these were in Standard. Like, it would be pretty fun in Standard. And you buy Historic Anthology 5 and say, I'm taking the plunge. I'm going to be a Historic player. Like, these cards really speak to me. And you build decks around these, and you go to Ladder. And keep in mind, if you are a Platinum diamond or mythic standard magic player that's where you will be playing historic it's the same ladder Mm -hmm. so if you're in diamond and you start playing historic diamond ladder you are going to play against people playing diamond level power level decks in historic and you are going to get dumpstered Mm -hmm. yeah i'm just afraid okay like don't don't you think that's probably what's going to happen you're going to go up against brainstorm faithless looting and these really like well-built machines because a lot of attention is on historic now yeah right so i feel like they're selling the wrong narrative i feel like this is a product that's gonna feel like a gotcha well so so the last historic anthology release that they had you know it did actually have some like impactful cards right had death shadow in it um 
Well, I, okay. These cards didn't get played at all in the league weekend. I, I, I agree with that, yeah. but many, many people built decks around them, tried them, and they were, you know, they affected the format, right? Or another example is the, the Sawtooth Tusker, right? Like, you know, that that card has seen some play in Ponza decks. I don't know if it's good enough, but like people have sleeved it up and, and brought it to tournaments, right? Um, so, you know, like, so cards from that anthology did see play. And so neither of these cards is going to be it. So, you know, like if there's bangers in Historic Anthology 5, they have yet to be spoiled, right? They have yet to be previewed. All right, so here's my question. Mm -hmm. Why can they sell a Historic Anthology 5 bundle of these new cards that might not impact the format, but they can't sell a Historic All-Stars bundle with, like, Faithless Looting and, you know, Brainstorm and the Shocklands? I mean, because that would be actually good, Kovac Kobu. <laughs> okay. That would actually be worth the I'm money. <laughs> I'm trying to look out for the people trying to get into historic and they have this argument and you can't get away from it. It's too many wild cards and it's unattainable. I, which is true. Um, I th if, if they did sell that historic all-stars bundle, it would be like 10,000 gems, right? But like, I mean, at least it has a price tag. Yeah. At least you now know where you're going. I mean, I totally take. agree with you. Like, I, th yeah. I think a lot of players would be happy to drop 50 bucks get their 10,000 gems and just kind of buy into the next generation of historic, right? Like, yeah, you get, you know, you get play sets of time warp, faithless looting, brainstorm. Um, I don't know. Maybe I mean, they, they can include... have bundles that kind of span the colors or the play style That's types true. too. Yeah. That's true. They could Control kind of mages tailor historic. them. Yep. Yep. Give them some to bury. <laughs> totally. But, but I mean, anyway, no, I mean, they want you cracking packs, buddy. You know, they want yeah. you, they're never going to make it that easy, CGB. Unfortunately, it's just, all right, all right, it's, it's all right. not how it's not how we roll on Arena, man. So I, I understand. It's a grinders platform. Speaking of making it easy, uh, there is one <laughs> more thing in this announcement. Now they hyped this up, like watching watching the announcement live they were like really hyping this up and talking about like it's the most far-fetched thing in the universe like imagine in a world where this this thing <laughs> arjuna was possible you will never believe it we're gonna give you an event we're gonna call it mirror mirror is and it we are oh no 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 let me <laughs> let me really set the scene okay we're going to unban everything but wait hold on before you say but that's not fun we're gonna make everything everything legal but we're gonna do this new revolutionary thing that's never been done in any game ever before where instead of like choosing the ban or you know unbanned cards we're just gonna like change the text and abilities and numbers on them a little bit here and there. I, I think we'll call it nerfing because we like nerf guns. We're going to call it nerfing the cards a little. We're just going to change them a little, tweak them, and then make them legal. Imagine if Oko, Thief of Crowns, had five loyalty. Eh? Would, eh? would you call it legendary CGB? 
Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. This <laughs> legendary event. They even have that text. This legendary event won't stay around for long. Uh, apparently this is coming sometime in July. They're going to run a short event where they're going to try nerfing cards instead of banning them. Nerfing, of course, if you don't know my reference, that is very tongue-in-cheek, is a very popular, very popular strategy in Hearthstone, notably, and in several other digital uh, collecting card games where they just say, okay, we printed that card. It was a mistake. We're going to twist the knobs and turn the dials, and maybe Oko only makes a 2-2 two -two, two -two elk. I don't know. Um, or I guess that would be... That's a terrible example. But maybe Oko could only target your own things and it only makes a 2-2, right? So I wanted to ask you what you think is the... what Can you can you speculate on some of these cards that have been banned in the last few years? The Alnas, the Uros. What is the nerfed version that they're going to release in this event that is no longer ban-worthy? I mean, one of the easiest ways to do it is just adding mana to the mana cost, right? So, oh yeah, that's like, easy. Is fires as broken at five mana as it was at four? I mean, I think so. It, it's probably still pretty dangerous, right? I think it's still dangerous at five. At six, I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Six, six is. Yeah, I'm not yeah. scared of six. But, see, here's the problem, though, is that I feel like the difference between five and six is playable and unplayable. Like that's that's kind of my opinion. It often that. is. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's one of the issues that they walk here. You know, it's the same with Oko. It's like is Oko like Oko is probably still playable at four, but probably not playable at five would be my guess. So I want to avoid just adding a mana to it because I, I agree with you. That's an easy way to do it, but it's also yeah. a very lame way to do it. It's true. Yeah, it's not great. Well, okay. We, we have actually, there has been rich speculation in the past about what would make these cards more balanced. And I think Oko is a great example, right? Because like, like I remember us all talking about how if Oko just came down with, I don't know, like three loyalty, right? Then mm -hmm. it would be a much easier card to deal with. Or, um, you know, if, uh, I mean, if you, if Oko could only target like one, like if Oko could only target your own stuff with the Elking ability, right there would be a much less dangerous card. What if you turned all the pluses on the card into minuses? I mean, that would be a start. I still don't think it would... no way to gain loyalty. Just let him <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. It's it's like a War of the Spark Planeswalker. Yeah, yeah just yeah. shift the rarity to uncommon. Let's go. Um, minus two make a food minus one target thing elks yeah yeah, yeah. i mean it ugh, god i don't know man i think if you keep the elk clause on it at all though like if you're able to elk your opponent's stuff at all it's just so awful what if it was a minus three to elk something okay so it's like starts with like so five loyalty minus three elk I, target I thing your opponent controls I, I, I want it to start at four, right? Okay, so it starts okay. at four. Minus yep. three. Yeah, target thing your opponent controls becomes a three three elk. And not then, your own things. Yeah. And then that way, like if they turn your, you know, great hand or embercleave into an elk, you at least have a chance to crack back and actually kill the dang Oko. How about plus one loyalty make a food? Maybe just plus a zero? It's been Zero a while. make a food? No, no pluses. No, no pluses. I, I, I was memeing when I said that. But maybe it's not that bad. <laughs> maybe it's a good idea. Uh, um, 
No, here we go. It it gains loyalty when elks enter the battlefield, right? So <laughs> what? <laughs> it has like an whenever ultimate. Oko is attacked by an elk, Oko yeah. gains loyalty. <laughs> oh, I love it, man! It's brilliant. Yeah, okay, see. well, so how do we fix Embercleave without changing the costs? Embercleave isn't banned. They're going to print that exactly as is. It's yeah, fine. but how how would we fix it? Um, I don't think it should give trample. Yeah, like I double think strike. Bad. I think is fine. Double because strike. The fine. trample is what ends the game, right? Yeah. Because if if you're playing against Embercleave, the problem is that very often how you block does not matter. You lose. Mm-hmm. So if you could still just line up good trade chump blocks, like one or two trades and a chump block, then the opponent can place the Ember Cleave and it can save one of the blocks, but they still lose the other creatures and you get a chance to untap and deal with the creature. Like, yeah. I think that would be enough. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Okay, I'm going to throw this one to you. Uro. Okay. How do we fix oh, Uro? <laughs> uh, okay, sure. Um I, I, I have thought about this one a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would make it a 2-2. Okay. I would Solid. keep all the other text, but just make it a 2-2 so it didn't just take over the board mm-hmm. every time you resolve the other side. If mm-hmm. it were bone crushable, like they'll just kill it again, and then you can keep attacking. But uh, the fact that it's 6-6, that it can just kill you, uh, it, it, it's so much. I, yeah. I really think it would be a fun mold drifter. It would be an awesome mold drifter. But I think it would be a very fun mold drifter if it were just a two-two. Yeah, I think that's a that's a simple fix. Um, By the way, how crazy is it that they missed the mark that bad? Because I'm I'm like two-three would be well, a bit much on and that here's, card. Here's the thing: <laughs> wouldn't it still be kind of a nightmare in control mirrors, though? It would be annoying. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, it's like if it's a control mirror is meant to be annoying. Like those mm-hmm. are two people who know what they signed up for. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> supposing Oko had all of the same text, but it was just a sorcery. All right, so so the the top right cost is the same. You cast the sorcery; it draws a card, gains the life ramps. Okay, then it goes to the graveyard, oh, and then oh, you said Oko. You mean Uro? Sorry, Uro. Okay, yes. Got it, okay. Got it. So supposing okay, Uro was just a sorcery, and the and the escape cost is the same, right? As 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 the escape cost and but it just comes back as a sorcery and it just does the thing again i i actually like that less i i think that's a little see i part of being a creature is that you can just exile it with a scorching dragon fire or a path to exile and be done with it right yeah and sorcery you have to interact on the stack so i actually like that less to be honest interesting so do do you still think it would be a good card like uh yeah i'd play it I mean, it would still go into control decks, right? And ramp decks. Yeah, I'd play that card. Mm-hmm. I'd play that card all yeah. day. Uh, that sounds like one of the sweeter escape cards that there is. That's true. I mean, it, you're right, man. It is just so ridiculous that we can literally turn it into a sorcery, literally remove the body altogether, and it's still like a potentially busted card. Mm. Yeah. 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 I, I would. I, I. I would get really annoyed with that card. Yeah. At least a creature, you know, creatures there are ways you can deal with. But sorcery, you're you're just on the stack doing that all the time. Oh, oh man. 
it's like sphinx's revelation and elixir of immortality remember uh, if you remember that it was very fun to be that person it was terrible to be the other yeah people. not not a great win con <laughs> i gotta say mm-hmm. yeah well that's what a- would you do with omnath <sighs> omnath man i think maybe okay so one way that you could somewhat fix Omnath is just by changing the order in which the triggers happen, right? We yes, I feel like we talked about this. Maybe but go on. maybe we did. So maybe if the like the losing the life one happens first, and then remind mm-hmm. me what. So there's the make mana one. What was the other one? So the very first one is for life, which I think oh, is fine. Yes. The second is make the mana. The right. Third is to do the damage so i think if they did the damage first then the life then the mana um i think that that would require like more work to really Uh get the infinite thing going on here's what i would do Mm. i would make the first one to uh do the damage because i do want like i i don't want omnath to be the stabilizing force you know i want aggro decks to still be able to win and just omnath coming down gaining life was often felt like game over right so i i would have do the damage first because it's hard to play a four color aggro deck right Mm -hmm. and then second would be gain the life third would be make the mana fourth i would have it as a fourth trigger instead of a free freaking effect fourth would be draw a card you have to hit four okay. land drops to get the card out of this thing okay. in the same turn. I'm going to make you work for the freaking card because that's the part of the card to me that's 100% egregious. Yeah. Egregious. Yeah. I they mean, didn't need it. I mean, they could just remove the draw card text, right? Yep. Just, uh, you could do that. You could yeah, do that. Just, just don't But they have wanted it on something there. for the blue. Like the theme of the, the thematic of the card is to have something for each of the colors. Yeah. I guess that's true. So. Yeah, maybe so just make it just uncounterable put... or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think if it's, I, I think if it's the fourth land drop in a turn to draw a card, I think that's reasonable. If you, if you dropped four lands, you yeah. can have a card. Okay, I think that's fine. Okay, how about this? Every land drop after four has a drawback. Oh like, no! <laughs> so like you can have too much of a good thing, right? It would stop Take people four from, damage. It would stop people from drawing like from from storming off and winning the game in a single turn right dude just just make the fifth one when you the fifth time this triggers each turn lose the game there you go i love it i love it right (laughs) playing with fire i don't know man or like how about the fifth time a land enters the battlefield this turn you lose the game Okay. You could get lethal by gross spiral. Yeah, you could get lethal by spiral. <laughs> you could get lethal by your opponent's fabled passage. You'd think oh my twice. Lord. You'd think twice. Oh my lord. Dude, there All you right. go. I love it. I love it. We <laughs> should be allowed to design this. We again. should. Just uh we've gone from being an art review podcast to being a game design podcast. Let's go. It's a yeah, dude. How how is it that like we were just a couple humble guys talking about magic cards and then you know, a, a year plus into this, we're now game designers and art critics. You know? Weird. It's like talking on the internet just leads you to places where you share your opinion, whether or not they're fully flushed out and completely educated. I mean, you this know, happens. If, if I ran the country CGB. <laughs> now we're... Oh, yeah, <laughs> here I, we go. If I owned the sports affairs. team CGB, 
<laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. I'm going to be the GM of whichever sports team you like you know, out there at home. Yes. We, we turn that ship right around. Right around. All right, you know man. What, you, know what, you know what we're not going to turn around? What? This ramble that we got no. into. So I'm going to throw it over to you to wrap it up. All right. Yeah, we're, we're definitely not going to turn around the tendency of hour and a half long podcasts. But, uh, you know, thanks, thanks for sticking with it crafties you know cgb and i we take one week apart and we just we just can't get enough man so <laughs> just miss you man it's i've been just, saving the words it's been so long <laughs> so yes um all right business arjuna you can find the arena craft podcast on covert go blues youtube channel so you can go and watch this in video if you want to see cgb's fun little hand gestures right now uh you, you can also find us on spotify some for some reason people have a hard time finding us on spotify we are there just search again we're there um we're also on most of the other places that you might find podcasts so you can take us on the road with you while you're driving don't watch just listen you can also find Covert Go Blue on his YouTube channel if you were not aware that he runs a YouTube channel. He happens to run a fairly popular YouTube channel, as a matter of fact. You should go check him out there. He also streams during the week on Twitch. I also occasionally stream on Twitch at the ArenaCraft Podcast account. All right, crafties, that's going to wrap it up for this week. And I'm stoked to return next week to talk about the next product announcement, Covert Go Blue. There will definitely be at least five more by next week. So we'll see you then. Later, crafties. <laughs> <laughs>